What's going on, Collective listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Samson Trend Coach Collective Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Grasso. Today, we are joined by Phil Sabatini. He is the Senior Lecturer of Exercise Science at Old Dominion University and also the President and Head Coach of East Coast Gold Weightlifting. Uh, and he's also an athlete still, too, despite what uh, what he may say. He just turned 40 and he's still absolutely crushing it. So uh, he crushed this podcast. Awesome stuff. Great insight. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. And yeah, let's get it going. Perfect. Phil, what's going Nothing. on? How are we doing? I'm today? good. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, and obviously just wanted to kind of get you to, you know, talk a little bit about your experience and I'll, I'll kind of, um, you know, allow you to just take the reins and you can tell us your story and your backstory. But first, I kind of want to just ask you like a couple questions, right? And one thing I want to start doing is getting a little bit more like documentation of the people that we're actually mm -hmm. working with, a little bit more background, not just from a strength coach mm -hmm. perspective, but like from the family. So if you want to run through like First things first, like, where are you mm -hmm. from, right? Like, what's your family life like? Like, do you have kids? Are you yeah. married? Like, do you have brothers, sisters? Where are you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, where where do, the, where do the roots start? And then you can kind of take us through that and then kind of build into your story, like, from the start to okay, where you're at cool. now. Yeah, I'm, uh, so I, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and that's, uh, you know, my whole family's from there, you know, from my parents' side and my, my mom's side. So a lot of relatives nice. that are still there. Uh, I have a older brother and older sister, both of which are really successful in their jobs. Like my brother's, uh, he's like the vice president of creativity for Lionsgate, the movie production company. Like his wife works for Google, like as a designer and architect. And so, you know, they're both they're wow. very successful. So like, I'm just scratching and clawed my way to like, you know, full-time job. But uh, um, yeah. yeah, and then, uh, I played, you know, a bunch of sports growing up, uh, and decided baseball was sort of my best and was my first love. I mean, growing up in Pittsburgh, I actually, my first love was ice hockey, but my parents wouldn't let me play it because it was too expensive, too much travel and whatever. So baseball then became yeah. my thing. I played football and wrestled and everything else, but, uh, I was best at baseball. So I, I was on a baseball scholarship to Ohio University after that. Uh, and then did my master's there, did my GA there, and then um, went to VMI, Virginia Military Institute, as my first uh, real job. I, would, I say real job, but I spent two years in the Chicago Cubs organization in strength and conditioning and uh, you know decided I really wanted to get back to the collegiate scene. It's just a different – it was very different. And, um, so, uh, the, the, my first collegiate full-time job was with VMI and I was there for eight years. Uh, and then I had a couple kids at the time. So I'm married, I've been married, going, it's going to be 14 years this year. And, uh, yeah, wow. I have three kids, two of which were born, you know, in Lexington, Virginia, when I was at VMI and, uh, created its challenges. And so I was sort of, uh, debating on getting out of the business and, and, uh, I had an opportunity to get into the classroom at VMI and uh, I sort of created a, a pathway in that regard. And so uh, I was really fortunate, long story short, to get a, a, get a job uh, in the classroom here at Old Dominion University. And I've been here for nine years and uh, nice. I'm a senior faculty. I've been promoted and, you know, I love the courses that I teach. Uh, but then, you know, after moving here, we had another child. So I have three kids, 11, nine and five. So this, uh, 
you're in oh, the thick man. of it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So this was your 14th Valentine's yeah. Day. Is that, yeah. is that right? <laughs> it'll be, well, 14, it'll be 14 coming up in, uh, in July, but, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Man. Just going through the grind together, you know, three kids, you know, she's, yeah. she's works her tail off and has a you know, really good job too. So, you know, we, between yeah. all of the things that we have going, you know, we manage pretty well. Yeah. How did she initially like handle the the whole training conditioning concept? Like the idea that like you could be moving around, job, lack of job security, the the climb itself, right? Like that journey you talk yeah. about. Like how did she kind of? She was really supportive that? until you know it created challenges financially and uh, you know with kids and everything. So yeah, I just wasn't home a lot, traveled a lot. We never really wanted to be in a position that you know our jobs were up in the air. Uh, although I did survive a couple coaching changes there. But uh, yeah. I don't know the the reward sort of the risk started outweigh the reward, you know, and and uh, so yeah. just found an avenue elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, I know that's great. And what does she do? She for a is uh, she is in charge of mentorship and education in a cancer research data reporting uh, company. So basically, nice. every uh, cancer case by law has to re be reported to the state. There's a really specific sure. way this is like staged and coded and sent to the oncology department and stuff like that. And so she uh, is in charge of uh, like an internship program through a through a, the organization that she works with. So she she mentors okay. in it and is in charge of internship for that. Okay, that's yeah, awesome. That's fantastic. Great. That's good stuff. Yeah, and so the the three kids. That's a tough. Uh, those are some. Those are some yeah. tough ages right there. I mean, you know, great ages. You know what yeah. I mean? They started getting the sports yep. a little bit. Great things going. On. But yeah, so a lot of. Uh, how have you kind of like? I mean, was there a point where before you had kids where you were like, I don't know how I'm gonna have kids doing the job that I'm doing? Because I feel that that way sometimes. Like I don't know how you have mm -hmm. kids working in the field of strength yeah. conditioning. Obviously, a lot of people do. But is it you know how did that kind of? Yeah, that, I think that was the challenge. I mean, everybody has. Uh, has this perfect picture of, you know, well, my kids will just be in the gym, you know, all the time I'm going to have kids that just, you know, they're going to lift and they're going to do this. And I certainly thought that, you know, just, you know, my wife was a division one athlete also, you know, so in my mind, we were going to have athletes and they were all going to be you know, just everything they touch would turn to gold. And that just like really wasn't the case, you know? And so yeah. that was one of life's many challenges. Uh, and so I think that alone, was really eye-opening for us it was like oh, okay they're gonna they're gonna be their own people you know it's like they, they probably don't want to be at the field or the gym all the time and you know like you said yeah. as they get older and they started doing their own activities you know i was never really available to do the transporting to and from and so that was really challenging sure. and stressful on, on the marriage and things like that so what are what are some of the new like activities or like hobby or interests that they had that you hadn't been exposed to initially that you found yourself like having to get into as like i haven't now, experienced you know? that yet but uh okay my oldest is i think my big the biggest challenge for me was that like it was really hard for me to hear that they didn't want to play sports you know what i mean <laughs> I, I can yeah, get on board with just about everything. And like my oldest is really musical and she's, she can really sing. Like she's, that's a talent for yeah. her, you know? And uh, so oh, yeah. I try to nurture that because, you know, I, I also play music too on the side. And um, so that was, that's been kind of cool. You know, I'll sit down at the piano and she'll sing. And that's been a really rewarding. My middle daughter, I think is the one, if there's any of the three that would be an athlete, like the high, a higher level athlete, I don't know. 
just it would be her but uh she loves it she loves to play sports and she does gymnastics and all that stuff and she loves nice. to do it while she's there but i don't know what it was like you know for you growing up but i was just consumed by it you know what i mean like every day i was either going to play hockey or baseball or something and it's all i wanted to do i didn't care yeah. about absolutely anything else and she's not that way you know what i mean she cares about like everything yeah. else but that and so that's been really frustrating it's like go get your soccer yeah. ball go outside and kick it around nah, i'm good yeah yeah it, it almost became your identity. Yeah. i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but it was my identity when 100%. i was a kid it was like you come home from like a you know a day of like double headers on mm -hmm. a diamond and you're like all right now i'm gonna i just played baseball all day i'm gonna yeah. watch baseball now and i remember at that time like watching college yeah. baseball like i'd watch like miami and tulane and i'd be like I'm like Texas and like, oh, these are like mm -hmm. my idols, right? Because at the time when you're a young kid, like yeah. those guys seem so right. Good, right? They're so big. Like, I'm like, they're so good. And you're like, I want to play college yeah. baseball. And then you're like, you know, I'll be sitting on the couch like with my gloves right. playing baseball. Exactly. All day, you know what I mean? Which is fantastic. So yeah, and I don't, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I didn't take the dream as far as I wanted to. So maybe yeah. she's got something I, that uh, Yeah, I don't know. Me. I hope so. But it's challenging. The other thing is, you know, I'm like so, so competitive. Uh, so yeah. it's hard to see. It's hard to see, you know, other girls her age like run circles around her with the soccer ball and stuff like that you know like you don't care yeah. about that like how don't you care she doesn't care so <laughs> man it's just a world that I is that understand. is one thing <laughs> It is it, it is a world I don't understand either. It, like we could we could go down. This is like it's probably like a whole yeah, separate podcast yeah. of just like trying to like understand like like I, it used to be like like obviously um, I, I never thought I would get to the point where I would be sounding like an old man, mm -hmm. but I'm here. Like I'm 32 mm -hmm. now, where it's like I say it all the time. Like like when I was a kid, like if you got knocked down on the basketball court, like it was like get up yeah. immediately. Never should never <laughs> right. let them know that like you were you were like even any bit like conflicted with like you know. <laughs> you know, maybe right. feeling down psychologically or physically yeah. hurt, whatever it was, it was like show no right. weakness whatsoever. And I never thought like, and I know that, you know, like I'm not saying that like never showing weakness is a good thing, but on the court and on the field, you know, they, those, those things tended to always, it always yeah. made sense. Right. It was like, no, I don't need yep. help getting up. Like I'm, I'm good. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Whereas like now it seems like there's absolutely no mm -hmm. shame in like letting, it's almost like yeah. courage. Like, <laughs> you know, we watch, I watch soccer now. I, I, I watch yeah. all sports. Right. And it's like, I watch soccer. I'm like, I, I would be so ashamed to like, to even give that man a satisfaction of, of letting him think yeah, exactly. that he hurt. <laughs> exactly. Like, let him think that he got to me yeah. in that way. But now it's like, you know, so yeah, I know what you're saying when it comes to like the, the skills mm. aspect of things too. Yeah. So she's just kind of like, yeah, cool she loves like, to you know. play the games and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, she doesn't complain about going to practice most of the time, but uh, yeah. it just doesn't consume her. You know, it's like, I keep telling my yeah. wife, like, and it's probably just justification for me. It makes me feel better, but it's like, you know, some people just have it and some don't. And that, you know, maybe are they don't, and that, so what? You know, there's thousands of yeah. other things they they can get into, and hopefully they do. You know, so yeah, for sure. Well, I think eventually, like, it could get to a point where maybe it it does consume yeah. her. You know what I mean? Or maybe she has a personality where it's like she'll be able to take on like multiple True. skills, obviously, and then that might True. help her down the road too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So who knows? What she? That's She's the nine, nine year old. Yeah. I know it seems so young. <laughs> did, That's we, the thing, though. It just it seems so young, but at the same time, man, it just blows me away as to what the demand is for those nine-year-olds. On you know, she's on a travel team yeah. here in Virginia Beach, and you know, she's on the second one. There's two of them, and the one above her is the best players. You know what I mean? And then sure. they're traveling all over the yeah. place, and they're practicing year-round, and it's just it's such a crazy demand nowadays. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I, can, I, can, I can imagine. I mean, it's just, it's it's unbelievable, obviously, like the type of, you know, demand, like you said, this place on yeah. some of these younger athletes to specialize, right. whatever it is. And like, at least you're still getting your exposed, like skills of all yeah. different types, you know what I mean? Which is really good. So you guys are, so you guys are in Virginia yeah. Beach, obviously been at ODU for yeah. nine years. So like, you talked about, you know, earlier, like creating a, a mm-hmm. pathway too to like getting in the mm-hmm. classroom too, which is something interesting. Like I've always thought about that. And I kind of went that route a little bit, like before taking on this job, where it was like, maybe go get the PhD, mm-hmm. then become like a professor kind of thing. Um, but if you want to like talk a little bit yeah. about that, especially for listeners who might be interested in like, hey, I want to eventually like have some longevity in this career path, like maybe getting mm-hmm. in the classroom might be something like, how do I go about doing that? How did you go about creating? Yeah, that I think it's way? definitely a good, uh, you know, I don't wouldn't even call it a backup plan. I mean, it's just a, it's a part of the diversity of the profession, I think, you know, and coaching is teaching, yeah. you know, so sure. um, while I was at VMI to make a few extra bucks, I taught adjunct. And that was the first I got my foot in the door that way in the PE department. I taught like uh, skill courses like boxing and stuff like that and wrestling and principles of physical conditioning. And uh, from there, it was like, okay, well, that was a good foot in the door and allowed you to network a little bit. And then when a full-time position came open in that department, I was at a crossroads, you know, and at that point in my life, and I was able to, I I chose obviously to, to, to take teaching full-time and then from there i looked into like you said doing a phd and stuff like that uh i didn't end up doing a phd because once i learned that it was all about research i decided and writing i decided it wasn't really for me and i love to teach i just like you know like to be enthusiastic and you know make jokes and stuff like that so i didn't the the phd route for me wasn't it but um there's there are some like non tenure track positions out there. Like I'm a full-time lecturer is what my position is called. Sometimes they're called instructors or sometimes they're called non-research professors. Just depends on the institution, but um, it's not required that you have a PhD, although it is preferred. So I will say that it's really challenging to get those types of positions. I think my resume was really a, a selling point just in the variety of different settings that I've been in and things that I've been able to accomplish uh, and then I, I crushed it on my interview. Like there's nothing else I can say, you know, I just killed him with enthusiasm and I, it worked out to be the yeah. best thing. So, yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's something that, you know, it's just, I think there's something about actually being able to like implement and like get, you know, get some insight provided to some younger yeah. generation, like strength and conditioning coaches has the sort of like, type of strength and conditioning coach that you see coming through the ranks changed a little bit from from when you started has like the overall like the youth like in the way that they kind of approach this craft has it changed for better i think it has changed but i think more are i think there's more science behind stuff i think people are like you know i'm kind of old school in my philosophies you know and that's how i go about weightlifting coaching strength and conditioning etc but there's so much new information out there even just in the past five 10 years or so that I think it's essential that people really are getting that experience with. So I think it's really pushing the profession forward in a positive way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And now being at ODU for nine years, right? Like, do you feel like you've gotten to a point where you're, you sort of like, I don't know if you want to say like beat the system, but like obviously like being at any place for yeah. a decent amount of time is almost unheard yeah. of, right? It might be getting better or worse in certain places. It depends on the mm-hmm. university and, and how they run things. But um, what were some of like the key factors that you felt like you came across when it came to trying to like sustain that and, and create that sustainability? I think it just depends on the setting. You know, I love the courses that I teach. And so I don't 
it's easy to bring the enthusiasm to it. And I think it goes the same with strength and conditioning. You know, if you're passionate about the population you're working with or the sport or whatever the variables are, I think that's key in longevity. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And how do some of the students like respond? I would have, you seem like a pretty like energetic yeah. guy. So I don't know if like, you know, just like you seem like a personal dude. So it's like, I wonder, you know, are they thinking like, oh, this is a little different than a typical professor. I think I so. And I think, you know, yeah. the, the fact that I'm uh, fairly well known in like this, a sport of weightlifting and stuff like that, like so my students are probably passionate about some sort of strength sport. So knowing, you sure. know, that they have a professor that, you know, has all the different types of experiences in the field that there might be interested in, but also I've walked a walk too, you know? And so I think that always goes a long way and people are more inclined to want to listen or engage. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as far as, yeah, you want to touch on the the weightlifting story and just kind of your history in in weightlifting and some of your experience. Yeah. So in 20, uh, 2006, when I was doing my graduate assistantship at Ohio U, uh, the assistant strength coach there competed in weightlifting. So I wanted to get my USAW level one, you know, it was something that I, yeah, I like doing cleans and stuff like that. I could probably see myself using these with athletes. And so I did my USA weightlifting level one and his coach was the one who hosted it, Leo Totten. And so Leo. Yeah. yeah I had him on the, I had yeah. him on the podcast. And so yeah. Leo's like, Hey, you know, you'd be pretty good at this. What, you know, what's your background? Like I said, I just finished playing baseball and like, I'm really competitive. And so you know, I could probably see myself yeah. doing this, you know? And so, they really got me started in that, but, uh, I had a, it, I think it was pretty apparent that I had a future early on, you know, my first, within the first year I qualified for the U S open. And then after my second year, I was at national championships. And uh, by the end of the second year, I medaled for the first time. And then by the end of the third year, I was on team USA. So it was a pretty fast track and I worked my butt off, you know, but, and I did, you know, so I, I still do train. And it's been a year since I've competed last, but I've had, you know, just about a 16 year career in the sport of weightlifting from there. I've made team, team USA three times. I've won three different national championships. Uh, I just, uh, my last meet in 2021, I won. And it was the first time I won a national championship since 2010. So it was almost over 10 years in between the two. And then I just turned 40 this past year. And one of my lifetime goals was a clean and jerk 400 pounds at 40 years old. And I did that. So (laughs) golly, dang, that's, that's a, that's a hell of a feat right there, man. I always thought Olympic weightlifting was wild just in the sense, because like I competed in powerlifting and I was always like, man, these guys are doing like Olympic movements with the weight that we're using. (laughs) It can be very, something's wrong here. Impressive. So Leo, uh, Leo is my coach you know, through this whole process and he and I got really tight. And so as I started to get into coaching, one of the great things about, you know, this, the profession I'm in now teaching was like, you know, you don't have to be there from six to 7 PM, 6 AM, 7 PM. Like the time it was crazy. Like when I first got here, you know, I'd just be sitting in my office and the department chair would walk by and say, are you done teaching? Like, yeah. What time was your last class? I said, I've been done since noon. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. We always had to stay until the coach left. You know, what do I know? So it was great, but it allowed me to coach, you know, to start doing some weightlifting coaching. And so I started a team here in Virginia beach and it grew like really fast. Uh, and then Leo, as he was getting a little bit older, he said, you know, East coast gold, which is our team it's historically one of the most successful programs in history and he said uh, it's never had a true 
gym location, a true headquarters. Why don't you make your location a Virginia Beach headquarters and, and step in as the acting president? And uh, so that, I did that in 2016, 15 or 16. And so I've been doing most of the day-to-day operations and most of the coaching since then for the team. Wow. That's awesome. Is that, is that a lot it's on a your lot. plate? Like, is, has it been pretty Very rewarding? rewarding, but it is a lot. Yeah, I spend more time doing that than I do probably the teaching side of things. You know, just the amount of hours yeah. that we're coaching at, at the gym, the amount of different athletes we work with, both in-house and remote, and the, mm. the different events that we put on. We put on, like, two meets a year and two training camps a year, plus some clinics and stuff like that. And then we travel to two to three national meets every year. Uh, sure. So. Yeah, it's definitely it's as rewarding as it is. It's pretty demanding. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, and so yeah, you have like event. I mean, I'm assuming obviously you have to travel all the competitions that any one of your athletes are competing yeah. in too. Is that those? Does that typically like happen? Are there like sections of the year where you guys try to group those in, or is it like? Yeah, there's two the main national competitions a year that we know for sure we're gonna travel to. That's the American Open, which is in December, and then the National Championships, which is usually in the late spring or summertime. Uh, so we have like a wide variety of ages too. So there's like a master's group that has their master's nationals, usually sometimes in the spring. So if we have enough people doing sure. that, we'll travel for that too. Uh, most okay. of the time it's those two. And then any of the lifters that we have that compete locally, will lift at our meets that we host. So it makes it a little easier on us. Okay, sweet. No, that's awesome. And as far as like the amount of days you spend teaching mm-hmm. versus coaching, is it like you're, I mean, cause you're essentially running a, a business right. operation, right? So like there's a, a lot of, things that probably go on mm-hmm. outside of the coaching aspect, but as far as like coaching, teaching, like how do you split up the week? My, and all that? Over the years, I've been able to work all my classes back to the morning. <laughs> so I teach like, mm, okay. you know, from eight to 12 every day, pretty much. And then from 12 yeah. to the afternoon, uh, you know, two to three days a week, I'm coaching at the gym in the afternoons and then on Saturdays okay. as well. So I'm at ODU nice. every day. I teach class every day, but like I said, mm. I've worked them back to the morning time. So I, can typically have the afternoons to either coach or you know be at t-ball practice or whatever it is <laughs> sure yeah no that's awesome that works out really well that's pretty cool um as far as you know obviously running that operation though like what are some of the things that you came across that you didn't anticipate having to be a part of when it came to like running? oh practice? man there are a lot of different things i would say right now just because it's fresh in my mind the tax stuff <laughs> It's just uh, so many different moving pieces to that, you know, and uh, we're, we're technically a a nonprofit organization, a 501 C three. And so that makes things a lot easier, but actually a lot more difficult too. Um, Mm. But I think the biggest challenge is fundraising. Um, Mm. I guess I never really, you know, being just on the athlete side of things, I I took for granted, you know, that we got some hotel, assistance or like performance incentives. If we did well, we made a few bucks on the meet and stuff like that. And, uh, I think it was a lot easier, uh, nowadays, like the, there's so weightlifting became so popular that there's just so many meets within a two hour, one hour radius, you know what I mean? And so sure. you could host a meet and get 150 people and you'd have to do like a two day event. Cause you're the only one hosting a meet within six hours, you know, of, of it. Right. Nowadays, man, it's like, you know, an hour to two or, or two away, someone's hosting a meet like two weeks after you, you know what I mean? So sure. there's not as much money coming in, in in those types of events, same with our camps. And so it's really challenging to try to find ways to support the athletes more so, you know? Sure. Yeah. And how is, how do you feel coaching 
Olympic weightlifting in terms of just like from start mm. to finish, from like session start to session finish is a little bit different than like working with team sport mm. athletes and just some of your It is. I think the biggest difference is that, uh, you know, people that are involved in weightlifting typically are seeking you out because they want to be there. So there's, you know, you have to motivate them in different ways and do stuff maybe they don't really like to do or when they're having a tough session or something like that. But, uh, sure. you know, some of my biggest challenges, I think, from a strength and conditioning standpoint at both professional and collegiate levels were just like it blew me away that people didn't want to be there sometimes. You know what I mean? You're an athlete. You're yeah. a high level athlete. You don't want to work like I, I never yeah. understood that, but it's challenging. You know, and yeah. so that, those are some yeah. of the key differences just from a motivation standpoint. I will say, though, that the carryover from strength and conditioning to, you know, how we approach coaching athletes is 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 pretty it's a pretty high correlation. You know, like I, I always felt as a coach, like the best thing you can do when athletes come in the gym is to greet them, you know, and show some enthusiasm. Sure. Like if you're not happy to be there, why should they be happy to be there? You know? Sure, and, uh, yeah. and the same as it's the same when you're on a weightlifting team or business or whatever, you know? So like, you know, every time the lifters come into the gym, now I greet them, ask them about their day and things like that. And it's genuine, yeah. you know, but I just make a point yeah. of doing it. So yeah, for sure. There's yeah. a lot of good, you know, good takeaways. I think the other thing is yeah. <laughs> one thing you learn as a strength coach for sure is there's a lot of days where it's, it's groundhog day. You know what I mean? There's a lot of days, like sometimes it's hard to get out of bed in the morning. Maybe you don't want to be there as much as you're putting on that you are, but that's just what, that's it. That's what you learn. You learn, you learn how to put it on, you know, then no one would yeah. know any different. And, I, and that's true. Yeah. You know, and all the things that's true in teaching, it's true in parenting, it's true in everything, but man, I learned how to put that face on and it's still on, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No, I feel that. Yeah, I can can imagine that that might be the case here in practice too, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's probably gonna be pretty tough. But um, no, that's interesting. So I guess like what you're really discussing is like the idea of, you know, I mean that that probably has like the best like correlation of what real mental toughness is. Just like, hey, you're gonna wake up one morning and it's not gonna feel that yeah, sexy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's like yeah, like this 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 whole dream was really cool right. day three, but like you know day day yeah, three hundred and sixty five. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like oh wow, yeah. like, this is uh you know we're you think about the here, smell you know, of the weight but, room and like all you know what I mean? Just like those little things yeah. and just make give, give you goosebumps sometimes or make give you a pit in your stomach, yeah. however you want to think of it, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when it comes to that kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, obviously imparting some of that on your app, because obviously your athlete is going to pick up on that. Like eventually, like they're going to be like, hey, like Phil was the type of dude, like he's the same dude every day, but it was, you know, because people say that, but it's like, all right, like he he was the same high quality Mm -hmm. guy every single day, right? You know, I would never have any idea if there was something else going on in his life because he was a professional, right? right? It's just being a professional, you know, I think we talk about it a lot in strength and conditioning, but the reality is like, I don't know, it's just that that is the case in every other profession. It's just like, people just call that being a professional, just showing up and doing what you got to do regardless of what you have going on you know externally but um as far as like you know them picking up on that and imparting like certain values and principles in your Mm -hmm. athletes and your students right why don't we start with like students right because that's kind of where i'm thinking like probably i don't know is is it you do you approach it in the same way way, right like do you have like certain principles that you want to kind of impart upon some of the guy some of the like the you know students that you have in the classroom as far as like Obviously, you're touching on some more technical, like formal education, some yeah. content, right? That's like, you know what I mean? So obviously, what are, what are some of those like main takeaways that you really try to impart on them from like a philosophical and like a technical perspective when it comes to, you know, physical performance, right? Versus, you know, some of the athletes. Yeah, like I mean, that. it's similar. It's just the intangibles, like you said, about being a professional. That's one thing that they will never be able to say about me is that I wasn't enthusiastic. You know what I mean? 
And uh, there are the man, the differences from weightlifter to athlete, but the differences from athlete to student. Now, those are some big ones, you know, and uh, my our degree here at ODU is a little bit different where I I would I guess most exercise science degrees are like this across the U.S., but um, very generalized. You know, we have people that want to be PTs. We have people that want to be exercise physiologists. We have some strength coaches, some athletic trainers. It's just a wide variety. And so our uh, our uh, our program is doesn't really have a real specific track. You know, we don't have like tracks or anything like that. So they may learn the same content, you know, class to class. So there's a lot of overlap in it. You know what I mean? You have to teach sure. certain things and to have a to build on it in other classes. But what's different is the perspective. So my my philosophy is that my perspective is going to be based around, you know, strength and conditioning and performance-based stuff because we can find examples of that for anything. You know what I mean? We can the same example can be used in a PT standpoint or an athletic trainer standpoint. Uh, but mine's going to be based around performance and adaptation and things like that. And uh, I think most people can relate to that a little bit better because everybody's in the major because they have to have some idea or some uh, passion about working out, you know, whether they think it's personal training and then when they really find out how much science is behind it, they want to quit. And that does happen a lot, but uh, you know, it's just fun to like bust a few myths every once in a while. You know, they have this, they think about this or they hear about all this bro science and things like this. Some guy at one life tells them this or whatever. And then you get a chance to tell them, well, it's not entirely true or like there's better ways to do it or whatever. Yeah. It's pretty eye-opening. Yeah, no, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I feel like we come across mm-hmm. that a lot, right? Especially now with social oh, media. I bet, you get some, I bet you get some pretty funny. What, what, are, what, are some, what are some good questions you get in the class? Uh, oh, from man. The, from the, from the, from the oh, young kids. The you know, now. Now uh, my favorite like, one, I think, is probably the anabolic window. You know, that's like yeah. the main one. They're like, well, so-and-so told me that uh, if I don't eat protein, a bunch of protein within like 20 minutes of working out, it's pointless to even work out. Like, oh, what <laughs> sense does that make, you know? <laughs> yeah, everything is completely Yep, exactly. Out. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that is wild. Yeah, I think that that, that one, and then I think the one where it's like, oh, like we, we should constantly be mixing up every exercise. Yeah, possible. that's right. Like, Keep your body yeah, guessing. Make sure we that's one <laughs> yeah yeah don't ever don't ever let skill yeah. set in you know what I mean? we, nah, never, we never want exactly. skill acquisition yeah just keep that. doing <laughs> stuff like, like at half capacity because it's on the stretching <laughs> yeah. thing is a big one too you know like just what constitutes a good warm-up that's always eye-opening for people because you think it's something so easy oh, i know how to warm up you know i jog a lap and i stretch for a little bit and i'm ready to go you know but then you really yeah. start talking about some of the you know, neurological processes and things like that. It's pretty eye-opening for them. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, um, a couple more questions, and then I, and I'll let you. I know you got a lot going on, but the ultimate question that I want to know from you, obviously, being forty now, <laughs> right, versus when you were, you know, twenty-five, thirty. Um, some of the pros and cons of, of what we have going on here in training conditioning in the industry, obviously, and things that you see that are maybe better than they used to be, and things that could probably use a little bit of targeting and a little bit. Of I think uh, just it, from a from a generational standpoint, I think uh, students and like, you know, the younger adult is less inclined to have to go through some of the stuff that we had to go through to break into the profession. 
And I think that's challenging. You know what I mean? They just assume that they're going to graduate with this undergrad degree and they can be a strength coach at the University of Alabama for the football team or something like that. You know, it's just they're not really I don't think that they're as inclined to grind, you know, and do things for free and stuff like that. I'm I'm not saying that's right or wrong, because I think there has been a lot of good advancements in in the profession in that regard. But it's, uh, you know, that's part of the game with collegiate athletics and professional athletics. You got to pay your dues. And that's just been a part of the profession. And if you're not willing to do that, you really don't want to be a strength coach. Sure. Um, But as I mentioned before, I think that there's a lot of advancement, uh, like technologically, you know, and I think there's a lot of advancements just in, in what young strength coaches know and know about and are willing to do with athletes. That's just a lot different, you know, from when I was coming up. Yeah. That's helpful for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it too, it's like, you want to feel like you're having some stimulating conversation around moving the needle forward and obviously see some progression in terms of like things that are done. A lot of things I think do Mm -hmm. stick around. Right. And, you know, things that typically are, you know, working well and hold true tend to stick Mm -hmm. around a little bit, which I think is good. Um, so I guess my, my, my last question would be, and this is actually a question that has nothing to do with okay. the conditioning or anything, right? Um, I actually I actually stole this from a friend uh, who's actually on the podcast. But um, so if you were in a situation, right, where somebody said to you, I'm going to, Phil, I'm going to task you with the hardest task that you've ever been tasked with in your entire life. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, though, but you can choose one person that's going to help you with this. And who is it? But you don't know what the task is. But I can tell you it's one of the most difficult things that you're going to have to accomplish. Who are you? Who are you bringing with you? And who are? Oh, man, I only get to choose one. You You only get to choose one. I guess I could probably technically open up that question to be more like you can choose like a crew Mm -hmm. of people that might actually give some interest. Maybe I could even change it to be like you could choose a crew of people and it has to be like superheroes or it has to be like a crew of like, you know, your best, your favorite, like characters or something like that. Whoever, who's it going to be? But yeah, for now, we'll stick with just you you got one and uh, one person to get it done. Whatever it is, it could be anything. It could be anything. It could be anything. I don't even have anything I, in mind. I'm going to have to go with my wife. Yes, yeah, partner right. in crime. And we've solved out. We've solved so many of life's mysteries, you know, yeah. together. Like, I, yeah. you know, no yeah. one else would trust more than that. So, no, that's perfect. I think post yeah, exactly. only one answer. So, <laughs> If you want to uh, want to keep going down that path, I think that's you know if she's listening to this someday or no, she's like, yeah, he chose yeah. chose the right, he chose right there. Um, well, awesome. I guess uh, last you know final thoughts. Obviously, if they, I'll give you the floor, if there's anything that you know, any piece of wisdom you want to impart on the audience or any of the listeners, whether young or old, or anything in your experience that you'd like to just kind of let them know about, the floor is yours. And uh, yeah, we'll thank you. I appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed talking to you. I guess the only thing I can say is just for younger and up and coming coaches, you know, there's two things that you can always be that's organized and enthusiastic. You know, it doesn't cost anything. It just takes a little bit of work on your end and it really does go a long way, you know, and whatever you choose, it's not even just strength and conditioning, but it's an important part of life. Yeah. Yeah. That's some that's some great wisdom right there. Organized and enthusiastic. So I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you again, Phil, for hopping on. Listeners, we'll catch you next time. Phil, hang around for one sec, and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap good. up. But uh, listeners, thank you guys for another episode. We'll tune in next time. We'll catch you guys.